realize that you have a great need and that need, which is very significant, is for you to understand the book of Revelation. Now, we need to understand the message of John in this book of Revelation because as we get closer to the end times, this book, it will prepare us for righteous living, taking prophetic truth, applying it to our life that we are found faithful, that we have a God-pleasing testimony. And we also know that the book of Revelation, when one reads, hears this book, understands its message, implements it in their life, then that one is going to be blessed. And one of the purposes of our organization is that you might live faithfully experiencing the blessings of God. Now, we began our series last week. Our series is entitled Revelation Shorts. Because for the most part, these videos are going to be shorter. They're going to be dealing with one theme rather than a biblical passage. And it's to help us understand some of the primary things that one encounters within the book of Revelation. Last week, we talked about Babylon, that mystery, and we saw something. Babylon was an empire, an empire that wanted to bring destruction to Judah, to Jerusalem, to the promises of God. Babylon took captive the Jewish people, took them out of the land, and this is against, ultimately, where God wants his people to be. Now, obviously, it was because of their disobedience that God allowed it, that he encouraged Nebuchadnezzar to come to Judah. But Nebuchadnezzar did it, not out of obedience to God, but out of his own wickedness. And therefore, that empire was punished by God for their behavior against the Jewish people. Now, we talked about a very important term, and this has to do with this second installment because this episode of Revelation Shorts is entitled The Beast of Revelation. Now, the term beast, and we learned this last week, the term beast represents an empire. In the same way that I pointed out last week that in the book of Daniel, and Daniel is foundational, for understanding the book of Revelation. John was inspired to bring many of those concepts that are found in the book of Daniel and other places in prophecy to bring them into the book of Revelation. And if you look sometime at Revelation chapter 7, Daniel has a vision of four beasts. And what's important to know is that that passage from Daniel chapter 7, that vision of four beasts, there we know. It has to do with four different empires. And likewise, in our study of Revelation 13, where it speaks about a beast, it has to do with an empire, as we're going to see, that's going to rule over the world. Now, for those who maybe missed out, Babylon, that the book of Revelation speaks of, is indeed that final empire, that final beast that we're going to focus in on in this study.
So there's great correlation. There's a strong unity between Babylon and also the beast. And both of these, they're one. Both of them refer to that final empire that the Antichrist is going to rule over. So in this session, we're going to have greater clarity of that beast, what he's going to do and how it's going to affect the, the body of believers, those disciples who are still alive in the last days. If you have been led to believe that before the Antichrist is at work and, and functioning, that, that the believing community is going to be removed, this is not biblical. I know the passages where people derive from that, but it's simply not accurate. Look, if you would, to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to see an accurate presentation of what this text says in the first half, the first nine verses of Revelation 13. I would invite you to follow in your Bible carefully. My hope is that you have a very literal translation so that you can see the actual text and a close translation of it. I'm going to translate. I'm having in my hand the Texas Receptus in the Greek language. I'm going to be looking at the Greek and translating it in the most literal way possible. Let's begin. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. Now, John is there, we see, at the conclusion of chapter 12. John is there. He is standing upon the sand, that is the seashore, upon the beach, we might say, looking out into the sea. And notice what it says in verse 1. And I saw out of the sea a beast coming up. So we have a beast, we know, based upon Daniel chapter 7 and other prophetic passages that a beast in the scripture represents an empire. And there's something very significant. It says that this beast that we'll learn more about is coming out of the sea. Also, biblically, prophetically, a sea is never at rest. It's always moving. Therefore, a sea represents disorder, instability, a type of chaos, that which is not reflecting the order of God. And so it's going to be a time of disorder, a time of instability, that this final empire is going to manifest itself. Now, something else we know in the book of Revelation, when we get to the new Jerusalem, that final expression of the kingdom of God. Notice that the scripture says there, there will be no longer any sea. What does that tell us? In the kingdom of God, there's not going to be anything that is, is out of order, that is unstable, that, that is chaotic. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be according to God's will. But here, once more, John is speaking and he says, And I looked or I saw out of the sea a beast coming up. So this empire is going to be manifested in a time of great instability. And this beast, it says, having seven heads 
and ten horns. Now, we are going to see later on in the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 7, that these horns represent kings. Kings that are part of a coalition that is going to be joined together and being under a leadership of this empire. Now, ten can be a number of wholeness, of entirety. So even though there's ten, it may be speaking about the world in its entirety. But once more, let's read it, middle of verse 1. Having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, ten diadem. Now, a diadem, and that's exactly how it's rendered in Greek. It's where we get the, the English word diadem from the Greek word that sounds very similar. And it means a royal crown. Not just a crown of victory, a crown of accomplishment, a crown of power, but one of authority like a king would have. So a diadem is a royal, a kingdom crown, a kingdom symbol. And it also says, upon his names, we see here that there were blasphemous names. So one of the characteristics of this beast what is a beast? An empire. This final empire that is going to rule over the world is going to be blasphemous, meaning this. It is against the purposes of God, against the character of God. Its, its character is that which relates to, as we'll see in a moment, to Satan. And here again, what I'm sharing with you is just based upon what we're going to encounter in a moment. So again, upon his heads, blasphemous names. And then we see in verse 2, And the beast which I saw was, was likened to a leopard. Now, why is that important? Because I mentioned to you in Daniel chapter 7, there's Daniel's vision of four beasts. And here, the order is the opposite. Why? Very simple. In the book of Daniel, we see that he was looking and saw these things in the future. But, but John is looking them from a kingdom perspective. He sees it in a different order. And therefore, he sees it this way. It talks about this, this beast, and it says that he was likened to a leopard and his feet as a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. So if you look at Daniel chapter 7, we're going to see it goes lion, bear, leopard. Here it's leopard, bear, lion, the opposite order. But we see that there's a close relationship. And if you read Daniel chapter 7, you're going to see that, that a war is going to be broken out, against the saints and we're going to see the one who is is inspired to lead this antichrist empire who is the antichrist is going to be inspired by the satan by the dragon and this is what it's going to tell us in a moment look at the second part of verse two and the dragon a reference to satan the devil the dragon gave to him 
And here we see that the concept of, of a beast here is simply reflected in the term him, as I translate it. So we find that the dragon gave to him his power, his throne, meaning his kingdom, and great authority. So there's going to be an empire. And if we look at just the, the text, it makes sense that a beast is an empire. It goes along with what Daniel tells us about these, these empires. And we're seeing all of these empires in, in the past. They are going to manifest themselves once again in a coalition of a, a confederacy. And they're going to once again be, be against the purposes of God. Now, let me just simply say, and I believe I mentioned this in our first episode, we get a greater description of this beast in Revelation chapter 17. We're not going to look there, but there it talks about five, five of its heads. Remember, it has seven heads. Five of them have fallen. There are no more. And this has to do with Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. The Medes and the Persians were the fourth, and the Greeks. These are the five that were no more. Obviously, in John's day, the Romans were ruling. So he says, one is, but there is another, the seventh one. And in Revelation chapter 17, we find that that seventh one is coming. It's going to go away, and it's going to return. And we're going to have the explanation for how this can be. What is the intent of that? But look again at, at verse 2, the second part, where it says, The dragon gave to him, to this beast, this empire, his power, his throne, meaning kingdom, and his great authority. Verse 3, And I saw one of its heads. So one of these empire, and I would suggest to you that it's the seventh one that we encounter in Revelation 17. It says there's seven. It's the seventh one that has something. Verse 3, And I saw one of its head as slain, having been slain unto death, and the wound unto death had been healed. Now, this is most informing. Some scriptures, they say as though it had been slain. Very improper addition to the text. What it tells us is that one of its head is going to be slain. And that is, it's going to receive a wound unto death. It's going to die but there's going to be a healing. There's going to be a, a manifestation of that empire once more. Now, this is clearly taught. It's not an interpretation. It's clearly taught in Revelation chapter 7. It says that, that this beast had seven heads, just like it does here. Also, ten horns. This focuses upon the heads. And we see that it says... Five have fallen, one is, and there's one more that will be. And then it tells us that seventh one that will be, it is also of the eighth. So it reappears, it resurfaces, 
And this is exactly what the scripture is telling us here. It was defeated. It suffered a wound, a fatal wound. Not one that appeared to be, but it says here, it was slain unto death. That's literally what it says. And the wound of his death, once more, dead. It is a false resurrection. It says that that wound unto his death had been healed. And what happened? Because of this healing, and we would understand it, it's, it's resurfacing, it's manifestation once more. Because of that, all the earth marveled after the beast. And some put in an additional word, followed after the beast. That's true. But it was this marveling, this wonder, this amazement based upon the healing, this empire resurfacing that caused great astonishment. Now, how would we understand that? Great astonishment. It was shocking to the people that this empire resurfaced. So we have to ask ourselves, what empire could it be? Well, it was the seventh, and also it went away, and it's going to resurface again in the last day, having what was a fatal wound healed, and it's going to cause great amendment of all the world to go after the beasts and to do what? Now verse 4. And they worship the dragon. So there's the beasts. There's the Antichrist, who's the leader of this empire remember a beast is an empire it's the same one that we're speaking about last week when we spoke about babylon just another name for this empire in the last days and we read once more verse four and they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast who is able to make war with him, meaning against him. Now, this is significant because there's going to be a feeling of hopelessness, utter despair. I mean, if he can conquer death, how can we, we defeat him? So those who are of the world, and we're going to get more specific in a moment, those who are of the world, who, who rely upon their, their eyes, their senses, in order to influence their decisions rather than the word of God, the instructions of God. Those individuals are going to be after the beast, being following after, going after the beast, worshiping the dragon. And the dragon is the source of his authority, and they're going to worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war against him? Verse, verse 5, where it says, And it was given to him once more, and the source would also be, be the dragon, the devil, Satan. It was given to him a mouth, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. That is, different things of blasphemy. Now, this is the second time that we've encountered that word and it's very significant because this empire that's going to rule up, it will rule and reign over all the world. It is going to be blasphemous, meaning against the character, against the purposes 
against everything having to do with the one true God. So again, we read, and it was given to him a mouth, a mouth that spoke, speaking great things and blasphemous things. Now verse 5, and it was given to him authority to, to do, to function, to act for how long? 42 months. And what this implies is for 42 months, which is three and a half years, which is 1,260 days, he's going to function for the most part without restraint. But at the end of those 42 months, which will end with the abomination of desolation, at that time, shortly thereafter, God is going to move. He is going to begin his judgment of this, this beast of Babylon, the same empire that we spoke about last week, this Antichrist empire. He is going to begin after 42 months to bring this, this beast, this empire to destruction. Now, the good news is this. When God's judgment begins to fall upon this empire, we, true believers, will not be here. But notice what it says. We're looking at, at verse, verse Revelation chapter 13 and verse 6 now where it says, And he opened his mouth for blasphemy. This is the third time. So he opened his mouth for blasphemy against God to blaspheme what? His name. Now, we learn that name is synonymous with character. So he's blaspheming the character of God. He's against holiness, righteousness, mercy, grace, truth. Everything that, that God stands for, his holiness, this empire is going to be against that. Now, for those of you who say, well, I'm so glad that I won't be here when, when this is beginning, you have to read this chapter carefully. Notice what it says here. It says, before we get to the main point, let me conclude verse 6. Not only is going to blaspheme the name of God, God's character, but also his tabernacle, and that means his dwelling place, and the ones, notice this, and the ones who are dwelling in heaven. Now, this is also an important part of understanding the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it speaks about two people. And there's many different designations for these two groups of people. But for our purpose right now, it's going to be speaking about those who dwell in the heaven and those who dwell upon the earth. What does it mean? Those who dwell upon heaven, it does not necessarily have to do with where they're presently located. For the most part, the book of Revelation deals with those who are alive on earth. There are some exceptions some visions, but for the most part, those who are upon earth. So those who dwell in the heavens, they are still on the earth. It's just speaking about their citizenship, their commitment, their loyalty is to heaven. That's where they belong. That's where they represent. That's who they represent, the kingdom of heaven. So he's against, he blasphemes those individuals. And notice what it says in verse 7. And it was given to him war 
to make against the saints. Now, notice, we see earlier on here that it was given to him to do something. It was seven to make war, to make war. This is what he's about, to make war here in our text against the saints. Who are the saints? Well, is it unredeemed Israel this time? It is not. It is believers. And there's a clue within this text, the last verse that we're going to deal with in a moment, that confirms that. But look again at verse, verse 7. It was given to him war to make, and war comes before the phrase to make because it's emphasizing this. This is his character. He is a, a warmonger. It says, and it was given to him war to make against the saints or with the saints. And, don't miss this, and to overcome them. Very important. In the same way that Messiah went to the cross, he died. From an earthly standpoint, the world thought for a few days. He was defeated. He was overcome. But there was that resurrection that changed everything. A true manifestation of resurrection, victory over sin and death. In that same way, he tells us to pick up our cross, follow him. Many are going to be overcome by the enemy, meaning simply they're going to die. They're going to lose their life. That's okay. It's okay to lose your life for righteousness, for faithfulness, for warring against the things that are blasphemous. God wants us to war against those things, to stand in opposition to be faithful, to continue walking with him in, in the truth of God. And if we die in the midst of that, that's okay. Because my hope is not something that I'm going to experience in this body. He's going to give me a new body. And it's the resurrection that brings me into the kingdom of God in its fullness. So it doesn't bother me that it says here that he is going to war make with the saints and to overcome them. And then it says further at the end of verse 7, and given to him authority, and pay attention to this, it was given to him authority, that word can also mean power, over every tribe, every language, and every ethnic group, meaning every group of people. Some will say nations. Now, this is the verse, and I have so many times people tell me, nowhere does it say that the Antichrist is going to rule over the world. Well, this verse is exactly what it says. This empire is going to rule over every tribe, every language, and every ethnic group. Now verse 8, and it says, And all the ones dwelling upon the earth. Now that's the second group. First group, those dwelling in heaven. And again, it doesn't have to do with where they are physically located. It's speaking here about people who are physically located on the earth. But where is their dwelling? Where is their home? Our home is in the kingdom of God. We belong to the God of heaven. This is where our citizenship is. We're aliens. We're sojourners in this world. So that's who he's making war against. But we read in verse 8 where it says, And all the ones dwelling upon the earth, what are they going to do? They will worship him. 
whom, who are the ones dwelling upon the earth? Well, it's the ones whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb. So the ones who are not going to worship him are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are dwellers upon the earth, they belong to this world. Their names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. And then notice something else what it says about the Lamb. Now it's very important that we have the term Lamb and it's, it is dominant throughout the book of Revelation referring to Messiah because Lamb relates to Passover. Passover relates to redemption. So when it talks about the book of life, it's the life that one has in the Lamb that redemption, the blood of the Lamb. So once again, it says, verse 8, And all the ones who dwell upon the earth, whose names have been not written in the book of life of the Lamb, they are going to worship this, this beast. Now, when it speaks about the Lamb, let's conclude verse 8, it speaks about the Lamb having been slain from the foundation of the world. Meaning God always had that plan for redemption, to create a people unto himself. And the only way that you can be a people of God is if you experience redemption. And it's that redemption that causes your name to be written in the book of life, the book of life of the Lamb. It's only through his work of redemption, his shedding of blood, that you can become one who is a citizen of heaven, a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 9, our last verse, where it says, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. How significant is this verse in this location? You say, why? Well, this expression, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. This is what's said in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Those seven messages to those seven congregations in exile. It's said at the end of each of these seven letters, these seven epistles to those seven churches of Asian Minor. It concludes and says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Well, this is just a statement similar to that to let us know that this has relevance for who? What we're learning has relevance for the body of believers, the congregation of redeemed, those whose citizenship is in heaven, in other words, the ecclesia, the church. So those who are part of the congregation of the redeemed, they have had their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they will not submit to the Antichrist, to his empire, they will resist and they will speak against and act against this empire, this empire of the Antichrist, the one that we learned last week was called later on in the book of Revelation, Babylon. Here it's known as the beast. And again, a beast is simply an empire. And one of the things you should know is all of these beasts, Remember what it says in Revelation 17, and we'll close with that, how it speaks about five have fallen, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the fourth are the Medes and the Persians, 
The fifth is Greece. The sixth is Roman. And then we have that seventh one. You need to be able to answer who that seventh one is. We'll deal with another episode on that seventh empire that is part of this, this end times event, who will also be the eighth. Very important. It is absolutely necessary that you know who that is because it's going to give you great understanding. But let me just conclude with this. All of these empires had something in common, and that is that they were persecutors of, of Israel. They were against the purposes of God, the character of God. They were all blasphemous in nature. They wanted to thwart the will of God. This is what John is telling us about this final beast, a unique one. If you look at Daniel chapter 7, that fourth one is unique. It's different from all the rest. Why? Because it indeed is going to be given all of its power, all of its authority, all of its inspiration. What it does, it's all coming from the dragon. So the beast is the dragon empire, Satan's empire, that Satan incarnate, the Antichrist, will rule over. This is the beast. Well, I'll close with that until our next episode. May God bless you. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank <laughs> you.